10 ways you're getting in your own way and how to get out. Hi, welcome to another episode here on Business Mindset Mastery. I'm so glad to be talking to you guys today. I'm your host, Heather Gray. I'm a mindset leadership expert. I work with business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find out how to work with me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And today we're diving into probably the number one issue that if it suddenly went away, I would quickly be out of business. Um, But I think there's a lot of juice in enough meat here to keep me in business for at least a few more years. But it's the way that we as business owners tend to get in our own way. Ways that we cut ourselves off at the pass a little bit, self-sabotage, limit ourselves and our growth and our success, but ways that we stop ourselves from getting to where we really want to be. It's this broad umbrella expression, getting in our own way. But I think if you ask yourself? Am I in my own way? Am I tripping myself up sometimes? Am I slowing down the progress? I think it's easy. Uh, Well, easy is the wrong word, right? I think we're able to see how we're doing it, even though sometimes it can be so hard to own it and figure out what to do about it. So what I wanted to do with you all today is have an approachable, accessible conversation to kind of break down the 10 ways I see people most often get in their own way and then offer some solutions that if you resonate with that, if you see yourself doing that, you can quickly take some action to get out of that and to pivot yourself around and start charting a new direction. So let's just dive in. The first way is actually the reason why this episode came to be because I caught myself doing it. And the first way I see a lot of people getting in their own way is they make up rules for themselves that don't really apply to other people. So the example I have for you today is my own. I was working on a new rebrand for my website and updating my messaging and my positioning and talking more about who I am as an entrepreneur, service provider, and business owner as I am today than, you know, as I was two years ago when I first started my online business. And one of the things that became apparently sort of vividly clear to me is that my original website lacked testimonials, that I have done a good job of myself for, of building a network and building a business, building repeat clients. But if you looked at my website, you wouldn't know who's been working with me. You wouldn't know from them the results that they have achieved and the success that they've obtained and just how good I am at what I do because I haven't allowed testimonials on my site. And I use that word aloud deliberately because in the online space, when I first came onto the scene, everyone was telling me, get your testimonials, get your testimonials. Like when you work with someone, make sure that before they leave their contract with you, that you've gotten a review, that you've gotten a note about the work you've done. And I ran away from that advice kicking and screaming because in my training, I'm a trained therapist, doing things like getting reviews and soliciting reviews goes against the training I received as ethical practice as a therapist. So even though I don't practice therapy anymore, even though I've left my clinical license back in Massachusetts where I was serving and treating people at a licensure level, 
I still had that rule that there was something dirty and gross about telling people, oh, so-and-so worked with me and I helped so-and-so with their depression and I helped so-and-so with their anxiety or so-and-so had to fire their CEO and I helped them do it without causing a ruffle. That doing the work brings me such pride and joy that I am so proud of how good I am. I'm so proud that I can use my experience that started out as traditional therapy, turn it into a a service that can help business owners get out of their own way and, you know, really impact a lot of lives. I, I own that and I hold such pride in it. But telling other people or sharing my client's business in order to get a sale, I just didn't want any part of it. And for two years, you'd go to my site and you wouldn't see any testimonials because I just, I wasn't there yet. And over the past month, I've been reaching out and working with previous clients to add them to my site to say, hey, I worked with you. Would you be willing to tell other people? Would you be willing to put yourself out there a little bit and share your journey? And I have to tell you guys, it has not been easy for me. Not the asking for help. I am so, I'm so capable of asking for help. What I really struggled with was this breaking this internal rule that I had, that there was something wrong about this particular ask, that this particular need was dirty and grungy and should, you know, and like not professional. I think that that's the thing I worry about the most is that, you know, as much as I, you know, don't want my old life of my brick and mortar and my private mental health therapy practice, I was always seen and respected as a professional. And I don't want to lose that here in my online persona, my online reputation. I always want to be seen and trusted and respected as somebody who has integrity. So the worry about breaking this, you know, therapy rule really consumed me for entirely too long because once I reached out and once I asked people, I got the yes right away. And, you know, the tech is slowing me up a little bit. So you might not even see the testimonials on the website yet, but I'm getting there because I agreed to stand up for myself, to break my own rule, because the reality is, is I cannot remember the last time I went into a restaurant before checking out Yelp. I cannot remember like buying a gift without setting the, you know, sort of precursor on the Amazon button at four or more stars, that I am somebody who doesn't want to waste time on a bad idea or a bad product. I use reviews all the time to make informed, educated decisions. And the idea that I was maybe getting in my own way by not allowing other people to do the same with me as they consider me for their mindset and leadership consulting, like it was just a slap in the face and it was a wake up call that like, would I choose, you know, somebody for my help or my struggle if I didn't have a referral or I didn't have some sort of representation of what, you know, somebody's capable of? Probably not. I do in my own business really lean heavily on referrals. I really do value them. It's the way I built my last business. So it's really easy for me to trust that, you know, clients of mine will, if they, they feel that I've helped them, will give my name out. But, you know, that, that method 
puts a lot of control in my previous client's hands, having a testimonial, being willing to show up for myself and say, hey, that worked, that was me, I did that, that's a way I can show up for myself and get out of my own way. And I want you to think about what are the rules you have in your business? What are the rules you've said, oh, I could never do that. I would never do that. If I'm going to do this, it has to look like A, B, and C. How have you perhaps become too rigid in your own life and in your own business so that you're cutting your own success off at the pass, that you're you know, stopping what you're capable of or how people are going to find you or your visibility or how you're going to be seen because you have created some sort of internal rule or boundary that's only true for you, but wouldn't be true for anybody else. That's, you know, that's the gut check here. That's what I want you to think about. And that's what I want you to consider. And the next thing I want you to think about is how often do you pay attention to what others think? Now, we talked about this on the show just at the end of last week, this idea of, you know, paying attention to who our audience is paying attention to and paying attention to what other people are saying and doing to getting engagement. But also too, I do think sometimes we give entirely too much attention to showing up as we are, as who we are, what we think and what we believe, because we're too worried about how it's going to be perceived and what other people are going to think. And again, like a personal example, because I want to do this walk with you and I want to own this process with you. I can think back to last year when I first started offering my coaching on demand program, when I first started offering mindset help in real time by working with people through the Voxer app using like a, a, a vocal, a verbal walkie talkie voice messaging app, if you will. Um, I remember not telling anyone about it. It was this little offer that anybody who was currently working with me could use with me so that if they, you know, had a call with me, but then two days later had a question, they could sort of use the voice messaging app, ask the question, and as close to real time as possible, I would get back to them. It was this little hidden bonus. But one of the things that evolved over 2018 was the number of people who were working with me only using Voxer and getting incredible results because we weren't sitting and talking about things for an hour, relieving that feeling and anxiety, having somebody think that they felt better, and then not doing anything different for the next five business days using Voxer people in a moment of self-doubt, in a moment of, you know, their inner critic coming out or a, a moment of just, you know, insecurity, they're able to reach out to me in the moment of their thought and feeling, tell me what they're thinking and feeling. I can get back to them in real time, pick it apart, and then give them a new direction. So they don't sit in that self-doubt very long. And as a result, they immediately create new actions for themselves. It is powerful work that has delivered ridiculous results. And I wasn't telling anybody about it because I was embarrassed. Because I was wondering, well, like I'm already no longer a brick and mortar therapist and now I'm doing online coaching. I've left my therapist hat aside. I've left my professional license aside. And now I'm going to tell people that I can help them through Voxer. What are people going to think? And the reality is, is people are going to think whatever I want them to think. Some people might doubt me. Some people might scratch their heads. Some people might not get it. I'm never going to be able to convince my father. He's constantly like, really? People pay you for that kind of crap? Like, I'm never going to 
sell it to the people who don't believe in it in the first place. But the busy business owner who doesn't want to take a full hour out of their time, they just want to be able to get past a certain hurdle. I'm not going to have to sell them. They're going to totally get it and they're going to buy in. But I was doing myself a disservice because I wasn't owning it. I wasn't selling it. I was maybe casually at the most mentioning it here on the show, right? And honestly, guys, that's a little bit safe for me because, you know, talking to you is, it feels intimate. It feels connected. Like we are, you know, in a conversation together. So that still felt a little in the safety zone, but it was nowhere on my website. And it is now because I believe in it and I own it. And I want you to think about how many times are you not showing up for yourself, not putting a product out there, an idea out there, or a service out there because you think, uh oh, I, I don't know if people are going to get this. I don't know if people. People are going to take me seriously, or I don't want to be one of those people other people make fun of, or I don't want to be attacked. How many times do you, you know, on LinkedIn, for example, not tell people what you really think because your network is all made of professionals in your field and you don't want to be attacked or disagreed with or questioned about your own thought or your own feeling? Because when you don't show up and you don't tell people that, they then they fill in the blanks with their own story and you see to become memorable. And that's the risk you run when you're not, you know, when you're when you're not willing to take a risk. Because you know what the reality is, is I am talking on this show and I am telling you about my coaching on demand services. And not everybody listening is going to be this raving, roaring, all loving fan of mine. There are going to be people listening to me who are like, holy hell, she is batshit, right? <laughs> like I have to know and own that. But at not doing that and not accepting that and understanding that means that the business owner who's time strapped is never going to find me unless I start shouting it from the rooftops like, hey, this intervention is kind of kick ass. This thing that I do, like it works and it could work for you. I have to be willing to recognize that not everyone's going to get it, that my dad is going to shake his head, that people are not necessarily going to buy in, but you know, a real sort of a real notch of success for me, I guess that was the a bad phrase for it, but like a real moment for me was in pitching myself to podcasts to be guest uh, a guest on other people's podcasts. I have been saying to people, I have a new and innovative way of doing services that's not like anybody's talking to you about in the entrepreneurial space because everyone wants to scale and the messaging around true entrepreneurship is group programs and all of this. But in reality, like people still want to have those deep dive conversations. People still want to be able to share their pain point with only one person without having to trust that six other people in their group program are also going to hold their secrets and respect what they have to say. That there is still room for deep one-on-one work and it doesn't have to happen in a brick and mortar office because that's not the way the world is working and the world is running anymore. So not only did I go from not you know, talking about it last year, but now I am pitching it as a new and innovative thing that I am proud of. That is the journey that I have been on with all of you in just a year. But it, it, it's that process 
And it doesn't happen overnight. And I don't ask you to do that for yourselves overnight. But I do want you to look back at recent months and ways you've shown up or ways you failed to show up and say, how quiet are you being? Because you're really kind of deep down afraid of what other people are going to think. The other thing I want you to look at here, and we're moving our way down the list, and I'm, I'm using way more words to get down this list. I think this is going to be one of those power episodes that I wasn't really um, intending on, but you know me, I get kind of verbose here. You know, one of the things that I want you to take a look at is, are you ignoring what's truly important to you? Because that's a theme I'm seeing in some of the work I'm doing with clients. That's a huge conversation I'm having with people, that in order to make the, the, you know, meet their bottom line, to get the sales in, to generate the revenue, a lot of people are finding themselves falling into the trap of doing what other people are doing. We're following some sort of set strategy that someone else outlined for them, but doesn't really resonate with them. And again, you just heard me talk about it, so I don't need to, you know, repeat myself. But like so much of what's truly important to me is interpersonal work with one person, like just having those deep conversations. And because that's not the entrepreneurial language, because, you know, all the entrepreneurs are supposed to want to scale and they're supposed to want to stop trading dollars for hours. I was shy and hesitant to be like, actually me, like little old me here in the corner, I'm just going to raise my hand and say, I kind of do want to keep trading dollars for hours because I think people need to have somebody to talk to that like, even though that's not the scalable thing, I think we can use tech to do it differently. I think we can really like still help people one-on-one without being a beginner and a newbie. Because, you know, I talked to you, you know, and said the other day, like one of the things that I'm going to stop doing is, you know, sharing my opinions. That's the challenge that I put out. And one of my opinions about the entrepreneurial space is that that one-on-one work is like seen as like the scum underneath people's you know, shoe, that it's meant for the beginners, that you start out with one-on-one, but once you get your chops and once you get your reps in, you scale the group practice. And you know what, my friends, that's effing dangerous because that's actually what's happening in the mental health field. And I could go down a whole other rabbit hole with you, but that the, like you start out when you first graduate, you're doing the work in the community mental health area centers. You're doing the work in the hospitals and the social agencies while you get your reps in, while you get your experience necessary to become a private practitioner like myself. And then what ends up happening is you get your reps in, you get experience and you move on to private practice just like I did. So that means that the hardest to treat people, the most mentally ill, the most struggle like people in the most amount of suffering, pain, and struggle are working with the least experienced people. And I am watching this happen in the online space, and I am watching it happen on repeat so that people get their reps in, they get their experience, and they move to group programming. And the people who really need and could benefit from an experienced person, an experienced coach and consultant are being left to the newbies, and they're not getting help, and they're not being seen, and they're not being heard, and they're not getting better. 
so that the entrepreneurial space, if it really wants to grow, needs people like me who are willing to help experienced business owners one-on-one really dig deep into their stuff with a voice of experience behind them and with the training behind them, that there's a place for me. You know, I, I wasn't saying this at the end of last year because again, I was too worried about like, you know, fitting in. And I recognized for myself that I was abandoning what's really important to me. And what's really important to me is digging deep and having those interpersonal relationships with people. So I want you to do a gut check. Have you abandoned something that's important to you? Have you let go of something that you valued or that matters to you because you don't think it fits in your business or because you don't think there's room or space for it? Because if you're, if you're doing that, that you're getting in your own way because you're not running the business you want. And I really believe that when we're not doing what we love to be doing, we are leaving money on the table, you know? And I mentioned how my dad doesn't take some of this stuff seriously. And I was saying to him how I, you know, have recently done a pivot a little bit in my audience. He's a businessman and I love talking to business about him. And, you know, and I was saying like this work, you know, like it was just, it was getting, it was getting to be to a place for me where it wasn't really lighting me up. And my dad was like, oh, you think I loved going to work every day and selling sandwiches? Like sometimes we just have to suck it up. Sometimes we just have to do the work that we don't want to do. And when I asked him back and I said, but when you want it, like when you were out, because he ended up, you know, he had a subway franchise growing up and I worked for him for most of my childhood. I said, but when you were kind of done with the business and you were starting to think about selling. So if you go back to your last two years of business, how hard were you really selling those sandwiches? How much were you really advertising? How much were you looking critically at the layout of your store and thinking about ways you could improve the efficiency for your customer experience? How how critically were you looking at your staffing and whether or not they were the best people in your position? How much were you looking at that business and continuing to set it up for success? And it was like a mic drop moment. And for me to deliver a mic drop moment to my father, like that was a huge win. And he's like, you know what, kid, you're absolutely right. He's like, once I knew it was time to sell, I just started focusing on, you know, getting rid of the business. And I think that a lot of business owners do that, that when we're not doing work we love, when it doesn't light us up or we don't see the point, sure, and we could all suck it up. Not everybody's going to love what they do every single damn day at work, but we're leaving money on the table because we're not really showing up for ourselves. You know, when I had my vanilla messaging and I was playing it safe and I was just, you know, sort of enjoying being like so liked and, um, a, you know, so sort of liked really. Um, I wasn't saying things that I really thought because I didn't want to lose that. I absolutely left money on the table. And how do I know that? Because as I've started to talk about what I'm currently doing, where I currently am going, I'm starting to attract people, even though I haven't like gone loud and proud with my messaging. And I haven't, you know, this, this, this podcast hasn't aired yet, but people are starting to see that I'm talking differently. They're gravitating toward that messaging and they're finding me. That's what you're giving up on. And that's what you're losing out on. And that's a major way that you are getting in your own way if you're constantly, you know, abandoning what's important to you and what you really think. You know, one of the things I want you to pay attention to a little bit for yourself is, you know, where in this have you um, limited your own self-perception of what you're truly capable of? Because one of the things that I think happens a lot of times 
is we tell ourselves stories about who we are and how we move through the world. And some of this is what you hear me talk about on the show, coming to this place of acceptance. But how many times have you said to yourself, oh, I can never be somebody who, or I would never do that, or, you know, doing that is just so not me. You know, one of the things that I said all the time to people is, oh, I could never do a webinar. Like, like that, that's a little too like home shopping network for me. And I, nobody would ever take me seriously and nobody would ever, you know, buy off of a webinar for me. And the reality is, is I have done things like that and I have gotten sales. Um, I didn't call them webinars, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, would have a master class or I would run a workshop and I would talk about a certain thing. And then I would tell people that if they wanted to work with me for further they could. But I had this whole story created that I wasn't somebody who could do that. And so for the longest time, I didn't do that. And I was leaving money on the table. So I want you to think about like, how have you limited your own story about who you are and what you're capable of? And this ties to the next thing. I was a little bit on the fence of whether or not it's one on the same, but I really do think it's two separate things. And the next thing, not only like, are you some like, telling yourself a story about things you can never do or ways you can never be or things you would never say. But the connected to this separately is an upper limit problem. And that's the idea that we have only seen ourselves as successful as we can kind of imagine. And my story, when I talk to people about this, is that a lot of people, you know, don't dream big enough. And the reason why they don't dream big enough is because they have an upper limit problem. It's funny to me how many times people have a six-figure goal. Like they just want to hit 100K in a year. Um, they just want to hit this number. And I think it's a number because that's what other people have shot for. That's the number that people talk about, right? So that's, I think, becomes the number we want. But why is somebody like, you know, stopping at 100K? Why are they not saying, I want to make $250,000 a year. I want to make five hundred thousand dollars a year. I want to make a million dollars a year. And my story and my guess is about that is a lot of us have these upper limits. This like, oh, I think I could only get so high. And so I'm going to stop myself at that so high level because I don't want to face rejection or I don't want to face failure. I don't want to feel the feelings that would come with saying I want to make $200,000 a year. So I'm actually only going to shoot for a hundred rather than recognizing that most people, if you shoot for a hundred, are never going to get to a hundred because you, you, you're going to cut yourself off at the past. You're going to get in your own way because a hundred is that ultimate level. Rather than if you shoot for 200, you will likely hit that hundred because you have already like overshot the goal. You're working towards something bigger. So a lot of times people don't realize that for themselves, that they go, oh gosh, I've been trying. And I just heard this the other day from one of my Voxer clients. Like, I've been trying so hard. I, you know, I just, I really, I told my husband this was going to be the year that I was going to make a hundred grand. And, you know, I'm looking at the math for January and February and I'm not there and I don't know how I'm going to make it up. And, da, 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 da. and I said, well, what happens if you tell yourself, you know, like this is the year you're going to make 200? What would you be doing differently? And suddenly like, oh my God, if I was trying for 200, I would be doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this. So I said, well, then why aren't you doing those things? 
things. Because I think that a lot of times the actions that we connect to our goal and the actions that we, you know, sort of attract to our bottom line are, those are the steps we're going to take. So as big as we go, those are the number of steps we're going to try. And as small as we go, that's as small as we're going to keep ourselves. So I want you to look at the story you have for yourself and connect it to that. I want you to look at your upper limit and have you really given yourself permission to dream bigger. And then the next piece, and my friends, this is a hard one, um, but I got to be honest with you. You have to look at where you're hanging out. You have to look at the quality of people and the level of people that you are hanging out with. And that means, you know, like, where are you putting your message? Where are you showing up? And are you playing it safe? Because so often people are putting their messaging and they're putting their positioning in the place where they don't think they're going to be rejected, where they don't think that they're going to ruffle any feathers, but they're playing it entirely too safe. And they're not not hanging out with the people who are actually at the level that they want to be and that they aspire to be. That it is so easy for everybody to stay in the newbie space, to just be staying with the new and established business owners who are just getting off the ground because that is the safe place to be. There's no rejection. There's no competition. It's, you know, it's an easier, you know, um, a friend of mine and I call it the kid pool that like hanging out in the kiddie pool is you know like it's so fun and it's so easy but we really are the sum of the five people we spend the most time with and if you want to aspire to a different level of success in your business if you want to reach higher numbers with your bottom line you have got to look at who you're hanging out with who you're speaking to how you're positioning yourself in your audience and you have to be willing to put your yourself in the room where you want to be. And I think a lot of times, you know, connected again, this is all interconnected, that upper limit problem. A lot of times people say, oh, I'll start interacting and networking with more successful people and more established businesses once I feel like I've, you know, I've earned it because I'm at that level. Rather than recognizing you were more likely to get to that level by having the conversations with people at that level and don't create a story that they don't want to hang out with you, that they don't value you, and that they can't learn from you. Because my personal experience in the business space, I, you know, one of the jokes, and not really jokes, it was like one of those half joking, half totally serious, is that in 2018, I had a lot of clients who were more financially successful than I was. And it's because like they've been in business longer, or, you know, they've been more established in their niche for longer, or in all honesty, I've gotten in my way a little bit that I need to stop and step out from that. But it is not true that people who are more successful than you or whose bottom line is higher than yours, they don't want to learn from you. Because the evidence says like if you show up, if you offer value, if you build relationships, offer connection, people are going to want to do that, you know, in return. Are some people going to lose interest in you? Of course, but that happens in the kiddie pool. Are some people going to say to you like or about you, not my vibe, not my tribe? Of course, because everybody gets to decide this for themselves. What I really want to make sure you're not doing 
is you deciding that for yourself. I want you to look critically at the level of um, motivation, the level of drive and ambition the people in your immediate circle that you spend the most time with have. And I want you to consider the idea that you are not rising above that because you might be afraid that you're going to leave them behind. But that in order to get out of your own way, in order to achieve the level of success that you want for yourself, you are going to have to look critically at where you're hanging out and who you're hanging out with. The next thing I want you to, you know, we're going to break away a little bit about from that conversation and move on to positioning and messaging. Because one of the things that I have to tell you is I don't see a lot of people asking for the sale. I see so many people talking about a drop in revenue, a dip in revenue, or not getting the sale, or not meeting the numbers. And the first question I ask is, well, when was the last time you sold? When was the last time you said to people, this is who I am, what I do, how I serve, and this is how you can find me? And the reality is, is that more often than not, the answer is like, oh, like last quarter, or I do a launch a quarter, or, you know, right now I'm just nurturing my audience. Well, the reality is, is that the major way people are getting in their own way these days is they're not asking for the sale. They are spending so much time on the relationship part of relationship marketing that they're not moving to selling, that they're not moving to the place of, hey, you seem to like me. Hey, you seem to trust me. Hey, this is what I do for a living. Would you perhaps like to work with me? Because it is, you know, we just keep thinking that like, oh, they'll like us, they'll trust us, and then they'll want to work with us. The reality is, is that's simply not true. That's not the way the world works, is that like you have have to build that no like and trust factor and you have to ask for the sale. You have to be willing to say like, you know, would you like to take this to the next level? Um, would you like to get to know each other better in a professional way? Perhaps, you know, I could help you on a deeper level. You have to be willing to ask for the sale. And I want you to look at your sales process in your business. How often are you directing people to how to pay you? How much time are you spending just trying to be light, trying to be understood without actually asking for the sale? The next thing, and you guys heard me talk about this myself earlier, you know, minimizing your value. Um, that was the biggest way I shot myself in the foot is I wasn't talking about my coaching on demand program and I was totally minimizing the value because I was using the word only and just before I was describing what I did as, oh, I only do this or, oh, it's just this rather than saying like, hey, I have stumbled upon a radical way of transforming people's lives in less time. Like people are hurting less. They're crying less. They're struggling less. Instead, I was like, oh yeah, it's this kind of thing. It's actually only for, you know, I remember like thinking to myself when I was talking to somebody on a sales call at, um, I think it was sometimes last last fall who had kind of heard about my Voxer plan and wanted information on it. And I was like, well, typically it's something that I do. Once I have an established relationship with clients, it's a good way of offering maintenance. Well, in reality, that's not true. It's also perfectly good and perfectly usable for new people who just want the quick hit answer, who don't need to sit and talk about it for an hour, but are so friggin' tired of being in their own way that they like they just want me on the other end of the phone, being their coach on demand. But when I think about that sales call, I go, huh, 
No wonder why I lost that sale because I was minimizing the value. I in so much of that minimizing thing or apologizing for it is we are trying in our story. I think is we're preventing ourselves from being rejected or we're preventing somebody from saying it first so that we don't have to say it ourselves, right? Or vice versa. We're saying it ourselves so somebody else doesn't say it first. But like, why are we doing that? Like, let somebody else decide. You know, the example you've heard me talk about on the show all the time is clear Pepsi. Like, it is gross. And I can't stand it. And I think it's just like one of the worst ideas and inventions ever. Pepsi has never apologized in their messaging for coming up with a really bad idea that some people are going to find adverse and like, you know, unappetizing. It's been like, oh, it might not be for you, but it's for somebody else. I want you to think about like how you do that to yourself. Like, how do you cut yourself off at the pass and minimize what's possible for you by minimizing what it is you do? And that can also be by not shouting from the rooftops the transformations you offer. You know, one of the things that, you know, I said to my husband the other day, and I was like, God, like, I get people better so much faster. And he's like, do people know that about you? And I was like, no, that's super obnoxious. Like, who, who, like, who, who goes out there and is like, actually, you don't have to be in this mindset work for months and months. Like, I can usually get you quick, you know, in and out inside a month. Like, who does that? And he, you know, he sort of stopped, looked me dead in the eye and said, you should be. He's like, you're trying to do all this messaging. You're trying to tell people who you are, what you do, how you serve. He's like, and you're not telling people that. That's a major selling point. And it's this idea that, again, we, right? Are you following me here? Are you with me? Like, we create these rules. We create these stories. And we create these upper limits for ourselves rather than saying, like, I am just going to go balls to the wall with this. I am going to go full frontal. I am going to be loud and proud. And whatever people think and however they they land, I am going to let them think it. And if they don't like it, they can unsubscribe. If they're not down with it, they don't have to listen. You know, to let people really decide rather than trying to protect ourselves from the decisions that they might be making. You know, one of the things I want you to think too about is do you want it bad enough? You know, the thing I always joke about is my business in 2013. Um, I had a parent coaching business when I was running my brick and mortar. And one of the things that I realized is that I was, um, you know, kind of getting bored and disinterested as a therapist. I wanted something new. I was really good at working with kids. I was really good at helping parents with kids. And so I decided I was going to have a private coaching business and I was going to be a fee-for-service business. People would pay me out of pocket so I could get out from under the pressure of, um, uh, you know, of the insurance-based uh, payment system and really start generating more revenue for my business. And I had this pipe dream of an idea. I paid somebody to develop a website for me. I did some marketing. I went around to local schools and pediatricians offices and I didn't get a single client from it. Not one client. And when I look at that, it's 
I all I see is how safe I played it. Like, yeah, fine, I did a blog. Yeah, fine, I, you know, I told some local um, uh, school principals about me. And yes, I went to doctor's offices, but I didn't actually talk to people about what I did or how I could help. Um, and when I look back on that venture and the investment in the website and the marketing and all, and the time it took and all of that, it didn't work because I didn't want it bad enough. It was like the, oh, maybe, Maybe I could do this, but I didn't want it so bad that I was willing to fight for it. I didn't want it so bad that I was willing to be uncomfortable. I didn't want it so bad that I was willing to be knocked down, get back up, knocked down, get back up again and figure out what really worked with me. I wasn't willing to engage in the struggle of building something bigger than me. I just, if it happened to me because it was easy, because I just put myself out there a little bit, great. Otherwise, I was entirely too okay with not succeeding. And I want you to do a gut check on that. How okay are you with not succeeding? Because if you haven't tried, if you haven't like really like recognized for yourself that you really want this, that this is critical for you, it's never going to happen at the level that you're capable of because you need the ambition and you need to be able to own your ambition. You need to be able to say like, I want to be like successful. I want to be able to buy what I want when I want. I want to be able to retire my spouse. Well, you can fill in the blank with whatever passion it is that lies on the other side of your success. But my friends, you have to want it bad enough or it's just never going to happen or it's going to happen a little, but not at the level that you're capable of. And, you know, and in order to do that, you have got to get outside your comfort zone. And I know I talked about this earlier in terms of like, are you playing it safe? Are you just staying in the kiddie pool? But the other part of this is actually connected and I probably in hindsight should have mentioned this when I was talking to you guys about selling, but like the number of people who um, only rely on warm leads for their traffic, for their attention. So they keep it with the people who already know them. They keep it with the people who um, are already like in their Facebook groups or their followers on social media or their previous clients because they don't want to do the cold calling. They don't want to do the cold leads. And I know there's statistics that, you know, warm leads are the best source of revenue that you really want to generate warm leads. But eventually, you also want to increase the number of leads you have that can get warm and can become warm. And one of the things I was talking to um, a business colleague the other day, and we were catching up and she was saying like, you know, what have you been doing? I haven't, you know, I haven't seen you on social lately. Like, what are you up to? And I said, oh, like I, you know, I've taken a step back from social. It's not like, it's not really resonating with me. It's not really ringing true. So, you know, I've really been, you know, sort of going full frontal and pitching myself to podcasts and trying to create more visibility, marketing and positioning opportunities for myself with that. And she's like, Oh my God, that's so much cold calling. Oh my gosh. Like that's so much like, I don't, I don't want to do that. And one of the things that I said is I was like, well, I said, my ambition isn't going to let me not do that because I, I think that what I offer is valuable and I think that people need to know about it. And I feel as though I'm 100% responsible for making my dream come true. So that means that I have to be uncomfortable and knock on someone's door and say, hi, I'm here. I, I actually am a pretty good talker. I have good conversations with people. Would you want to have me on your show? So 
So yes, I am going to um, do the cold calling. I am going to reach out to people on LinkedIn. I am going to sort of risk the, the door being shut in my face because I am trusting my relationship marketing skills that I'm not going to do it like a jackass, that I'm going to do it in a way that like some people will resonate with and some people will connect with and then other people will just skip it and move along and not be interested. And that's okay because it's not personal, that I am completely willing to introduce myself to new audiences. I am willing to ask people to share my content, to share my ideas and the conversations I have with other people, because that is how I am going to expand my network in a way that feels more consistent with who I am and how I move through the world. Because I I can't say I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that, and I don't want to do this. But by the way, I still want to have a super successful business. It doesn't work that way. So we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And the only way we're going to do that is by staying true to who we are. Like so much of it is yes, being uncomfortable, but making sure that like the arena we're doing that in suits us, right? Because trying something new is going to be unnerving, right? So like a cold calling, cold emailing, cold pitching, all of that is going to be really unnerving. That is where I'm uncomfortable. But where I am totally comfortable is in the podcast realm. I feel really good about my ability to deliver stellar content to people. So yeah, it's uncomfortable to reach out to podcast hosts and say, hey, would you like to have me on your show. But I know that once I'm on that show, I'm going to be entirely comfortable. Whereas in other arenas doing other things, I would never get comfortable. It would never feel like a fit. I would never be able to show up as authentically as I could on a podcast. So that's where I'm putting myself. But I am not restricting myself to the comfort of warm leads. And I want you to think about when was the last time you tried to get a cold lead to become warm and to warm up a little bit? When when was the last time you even gave any attention to increasing the size of your warm lead audience? Look at that because that is a major way you were leaving money on the table. And when you think about your positioning and you think about your messaging and you do that in a dialed in way, your cold lead becomes a warm lead in the time it takes you to snap your fingers. But you have to be willing to do it even though it can sometimes feel kind of gross, even though it can feel uncomfortable. You know, and the last thing I want you to think about here as we wrap up the show, I think I've gotten to 10. I might have, I have a list in front of me, but then I started (laughs) chatting. So we might not actually have 10. I hope we have 10. Um, But, you know, the last thing too is, you know, how willing are you to ask for help? How willing are you to not know? You know, one of the things I was just, I was talking to somebody, um, I noticed um, a comment that she made in a mutual Facebook group um, and she talked about having a hard time and I got on, you know, I, I got on Voxer and I was like, hey, I just saw you like have this comment in the group about you having a hard time. Like, hey, by the way, like I'm somebody who helps people with hard times. Um, do you need my help? And it was, you know, also, I also reminded, you know, the person and said, you can ask for help at any point in time. Like you don't have to wait for me to offer it. But I think so often, and when I learned from this conversation, it's just like, I didn't even know what to ask, or I didn't know what my question is, but I'm stuck and I'm overwhelmed and I can't get out of my own way. And I think so often that that's where business owners like 
you know, sort of stop themselves is they can't figure out what's wrong. They can't figure out why like something they're trying isn't working or they're chronically unhappy or they're dissatisfied or disgruntled or something. And they don't get out of their own way and out of their own heads by asking for help. You know, the reality is, is I know a lot of you listening to this show are guilty of that. At the end of every single episode, I include an invitation to send a question my way and I answer it free of charge on my podcast. Yes, I will ask for people to financially support and contribute to the show if they're finding value in it, but largely most of my listening audience, you know, is is receiving free content. And I could answer your question for free. And how, like, given the size of my audience, I'm this, this close, my friends. By, by the time you listen to this episode, I might actually be at 100,000 downloads. That means 100,000 listens. I, kn- I know I don't have 100,000 different people, but I have a fair chunk of people who have never asked for my help, who sit and they get mindset advice to other people's questions, but they've never asked for my help. Or for the people who have listened to this show day in and day out, and they know that it's not so simple as having a question answered, and they need my help on a deeper level. They're not taking advantage of the fact that I like include the links to schedule and include all the ways to find me to ask me for my help. So this, as I wrap up, I'm going to ask you if you need my help or if you need someone else's help, if you need like somebody to do your VA work or you need somebody to do business you know, sales and marketing strategy, I am going to make sure that if you are sitting on a question that you don't know the answer to, I'm going to encourage you to reach out and to find that answer and to get that answer for yourself. And as a favor, I am going to include all of the links for how you can work with me, get on a discovery call or jump right in and do the work directly on, you know, on an immediate basis. Because if you ask for for my help, you're getting out of your own way. If you figure out the help you need, you're getting out of your own way. And if you were getting out of your head and doing something different, you are getting out of your own way. And that is my challenge to you. If you need my help, accept my offer in the show notes. If you need to get out of your own way and do something different, have another listen to the show, take some notes on the episode and see what you can do to change your bottom line. Thank you so much for today. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.